On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk posts a picture of the first ever performance Model 3, and it looks a lot like mine. Plus, Tesla zeroes in on a location for its future European Gigafactory, Model 3 gets a couple of long-awaited new features via a software update, and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 151 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for June 24th, 2018. 151 would be a palindrome, which is always fun. Anyway, I want to kick off the show this week by saying thank you to uh, one particular listener who also happens to be a Patreon supporter. Matthew Para helped me out last week with an audio issue on the interview, the Jeff McGovern interview that you heard last week. Uh, I want to apologize to the Patreon folks who, via the early access to the show they get, heard the original flawed version with the audio technical difficulty in that interview. Uh, and thank you so much to Matthew for lending his expertise to help get that corrected by the time the show went out wide. I hope you all enjoyed that interview, by the way. Uh, I, I very much enjoyed doing it. It was good to get out and meet Jeff and just talk detailing, because again, I, I really do find it to be a... Uh, an endlessly complex and multiple choice kind of kind of thing. Uh, anyway, we're going to get back to the Ride the Lightning hotline this week as well. Plenty of great calls from you guys queued up and ready to go. Uh, a lot of you called in while I was at E3 the pr prior week. I got caught up on all that, so stay tuned for that later on in the podcast. Coming up now will be uh, the news of the first Model 3 the performance version, that is. It has been built. Elon Musk took to Twitter to fire off a picture of a performance Model 3, the first one rolling off the line. Uh, Elon saying, quote, amazing work by Tesla team, built entire new general assembly line in three weeks with minimal resources. Love you guys so much, meaning the Tesla team. Uh, and then, <laughs> so the car, by the way, the car is a multi-coat red Performance Model 3 you get with the 20-inch sport wheels and a white interior. <laughs> and uh, so my friend Trevor Page from Model 3 Owners Club jumps right in. I wasn't online while this happened. I was off doing weekend stuff. Uh, Trevor jumps in and says, Hey, uh, awesome work, Elon. Is that Ryan McCaffrey's Performance Model 3? And Elon actually replied to Trevor saying, might actually be his, with an exclamation mark. Uh, in fact, on that subject, let's go to Albert from Miami. Let's, in fact, dive into the Ride the Lightning hotline real quick. Just dip our toe in right now before we get to the rest of the calls later on. So uh, here's Albert from Miami on this very subject. Hey, Ryan, it's Albert from Miami. Looks like your Tesla is the first one off the assembly line of the new assembly line Tesla just put out. It looks beautiful, buddy. Hope it cheers. Thank you. Well, thank you for the kind words, Albert. And I wish it was. I wish that was my car. But I don't think it actually is. And and I don't, I don't think Elon was necessarily playfully teasing me there. Um, he probably just didn't know who's <laughs> where the first one was going. I mean, they're just, they start coming off and he's there. Uh, but 
you know, we, we know we're expecting performance model threes as test drive cars in the coming weeks here. Uh, it's coming few weeks actually. So this could be one of those, you know, who knows, but uh, I, cause you know, when Elon tweets that, of course I get my hopes up, of course. So I reached out to uh, my cousin, Sean, who works in one of the New Jersey Tesla stores as a sales advisor slash delivery specialist there. And he told me that VIN numbers usually get assigned before production. So therefore, and I don't have a VIN number yet, so this one probably wasn't mine, despite Elon getting my hopes up a little bit there. Now, could that procedure be different with the performance cars since they're only just spinning them up? Yeah, maybe, but it's probably not mine. However, two things of note about this car, because it was, again, my exact configuration. Uh, it's super fun to pretend it's my car, because, you know, it would be cool, would be having Elon personally inspect my car. That would be great. Uh, but number two, it's just cool for me to see exactly what my car is going to look like. And it looks good. I agree with Albert from Miami. It looks super sharp. But it is kind of crazy that the first performance Model 3 off the line of the various configurations possible, which remember, you know, it's a few more now because besides every paint color, and two wheel choices, just like on the first production Model 3. You've also got the two interior choices uh, on, the, uh, on the performance car as well. But, so it is a little strange, a little, uh, a little, and it's cool, it's just cool, it's a neat little thing, that the first one off the line happens to look exactly like what mine will. Two quick notes on the car, just from taking a look at the picture. The spoiler isn't on it yet, since, uh, as I'd mentioned before, they're going to be installing those after delivery. But again, we do we know what that spoiler looks like because it's been photographed on Franz von Holzhausen's car. It's just a nice, you know, fairly minimalist carbon fiber spoiler just off the, the rear trunk lid there, just like it is on the Model S P100D. Also, you can very clearly see those gorgeous red brake calipers, we did it, you guys! We got the red brake calipers! And also you can see the much larger brake rotors for sure, and what are, it's harder to tell, probably larger calipers, definitely larger rotors. Uh, but the car looks awesome, it was great to see it, off of GA4, General Assembly 4, the new production line that Elon was referring to there, that the, the team spun up in such a short amount of time, uh, three weeks, as Elon says. So good stuff with that. In fact, Elon really, uh, in a couple of other little tweets too, expressing some uh, pride and um, just just good vibes for the Tesla team right now. Uh, he said later on in a tweet, quote, we'll maybe do a media tour next week. In He's speaking in response to, G, the GA4 line that spun up in the big tent that, of course, uh, some people have have uh, taken exception to that there's a production line under a tent. But anyway, uh, he says, we'll maybe do a media tour next week. Team deserves recognition. This was miraculous. Now, hold that thought on the word miraculous uh, for a little while longer. But I will say, if there's a media tour, I will absolutely try like heck to get invited to it. This week, if that if that does indeed happen, because I'd sure as heck like to tell you all about it. And certainly selfishly, I would love to see that for myself. But I don't know if I'm really looked at as media 
by Tesla. I, I occupy the weird zone where uh, I don't know if I'm media or considered a quote-unquote influencer, even though I'm not a big fan of that term. Um, I, it's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm definitively on the media side in the video game world, uh, whereas you know YouTube content creators are the, the, they're on the influencer side. Uh, but here on the Tesla world, I guess it's the opposite. I, I reside more on the uh, the influencer side, even though I certainly try to conduct myself with as much professionalism, truth, and honesty as I possibly can. I'm not saying I'm not saying that influencers don't do that, but I'm saying that's de- that's definitely something that uh, media people are held to. Uh, they hold themselves to that standard, and they should be held to that standard. Anyway. Uh, we shall see what happens in the coming week there. Uh, next up this week, Elon Musk revealing the likely site of the European Gigafactory. He says via Twitter, quote, Germany is a leading choice, although he says a leading, not the leading, but Germany is a leading choice for a European Gigafactory, perhaps on the German-French border makes sense near the Benelux countries. To be clear, Tesla European headquarters will remain in the Netherlands. So if that is indeed the plan, that will be taking Tesla straight into the lion's den of their primary competitors, BMW, Mercedes, and Audi, those uh, big three luxury automakers from Germany. Now, of course, I'm being a bit hyperbolic there because, you know, it's not that Tesla's walking right into the open mouth of the lion because they're... Those, some of those companies make cars here in the United States as well. It's a, it's a, a global effort. It's a, it's a, you know, the automotive business is a global one these days. You know, the, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, the BMW X series of the CUVs, SUVs, I think those are made here in the United States, uh, I believe. But anyway, once this Gigafactory gets going... That is going to bring a lot of jobs to Germany. The Nevada Gigafactory here uh, is is a 5,000-plus employee enterprise. And, uh, and the remember, the all future Gigafactories, as Elon has said before, are uh, going to be intended to, to actually to do car production as well as the battery production. So theoretically, it would employ more people than the Nevada site, the Gigafactory 1. So we will keep an eye out for that. I'd just like to add a quick postscript on this. I love Germany. I have, uh, I've done a little bit of travel in my life, not nearly as much as I would like to, but over uh, two trips in my life to Germany, I've spent a total of about five weeks there. I did a foreign exchange trip in high school and spent a month in Germany. And then I was there again for a week on business a few years ago. And, uh, boy, it was, that was a, just a transformative, uh, not a vacation, but a a journey, just a wonderful journey in my life. If you have kids, by the way, who, you know, if they're, they're becoming of, you know, high school age by chance, uh, and they have the opportunity to go on a foreign exchange and spend and spend time in another country, if you're not already doing so, my goodness, please encourage them to do so, just based on my experience, because I could never do that now. I wouldn't be able to take a month <laughs> to just go be in a foreign country. There's too many, you know, there's a job, there's a family, there's all sorts of responsibilities, but what a time, what a fun time that was, and Germany is a absolutely beautiful country. 
Anyway, that aside aside, let me move on to the next story this week. It's actually a relatively quiet week in the world of Tesla news, but I've got uh, two or three more stories to talk about with you here. Elon Musk teasing an upcoming autopilot feature. And uh, this, is, this comes in response to a Twitter user who asks this, quote, when merging in traffic on an expressway, blinker detection in autopilot would be great. Allow the driver to customize their mood on a sliding scale between aggressive and passive. And Elon replied saying, quote, good points, already mostly working in the developer software I'm driving, end quote. If you'll recall, Elon had pretty well already confirmed this to Ride the Lightning listener and Patreon producer, by the way, Alexi Heft. But here he adds the little detail saying that it's, quote, mostly working in an internal dev build of the autopilot software. So this is a thing that is definitely going to make autopilot tangibly better. And and as such, I hope it arrives soon. That is That would be great because... Uh, yeah, it would just be fantastic. One one big new feature for Model 3's autopilot, specifically this week, I should add to this. This is a good time to throw this in. Uh, and I say Model 3 specifically because the Model S and Model X already have it, is Summon. Yes, yeah, Summon. You'll recall that I actually asked Elon about that a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that it was uh, that it was on the way. And here it is. It is here now in version 2018.24. If you've, uh, if you've got that or you should be on the lookout for it, there are actually uh, three primary big features uh, for Model 3 in this update. So you've got Summon, and you've got uh, the other big one being Wi-Fi. So the, the Model 3 had been out now for almost about 11 months without, officially out for 11 months, Without uh, without the summon capability that the S and the X have had for a while, well, that has changed summon. Or, pardon me, not summon. Well, that too, but Wi-Fi. Uh, you can now connect to Wi-Fi to get your software updates downloaded uh, off your Wi-Fi network rather than the LTE data network. So that is good news there as well. And then the third thing is cabin overheat protection. So the the cabin can now be set to not exceed 105 for up to 12 hours after you exit the car if you have that set. So uh, if you just want to use that, I mean, obviously, if you have a, a the, you know, it's kind of a dog mode thing. If you have a dog in the car, make sure you can leave your, your climate system active uh, to keep the car cool. But also just if you're in a hot place and you want to, you know, not have your car roasting inside. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at my my old stomping grounds of Arizona when I'm talking about this. Plenty of other toasty places around the country as well. But uh, yeah, that is another feature. So three key new over-the-air updates. Or, well, one over-the-air update adding three key new features to Model 3 here. 2018.24, that is the version to look out for as it rolls out here at the end of this week as I sit down to record. And on a semi-related note, I checked in with Elon on Twitter after he posted about being stuck in infinite work. And I just simply asked him, you know, I wasn't really trying to pry any information out of him this time. That's, that's usually the objective. But I just asked him, you still in Fremont all weekend? How's GA4 going with the P3Ds? Obviously a personal interest there. And he replied saying, at Fremont until late tonight, that's Friday. Friday night, he was uh, working late 
at Fremont. Giga tomorrow, so up in Nevada at the Giga Factory on Saturday. Fremont Sunday. GA4 is great, but have to say that GA3 crew is pulling off miracles against all odds, end quote. Uh, that is, so GA3 being the primary Model 3 line. And uh, I added later, I added another tweet saying, also, if you need the local Tesla community to bring you and the team donuts and or coffee during your working weekend, we will bring you donuts and coffee. We appreciate your efforts. I'm just trying to be sincere, just trying to, just trying to offer some encouragement and uh, and just some appreciation. Just genuine, you guys know it's it's a genuine appreciation for the the monumental efforts that these that these folks at Tesla are going through in order to try and hit this production ramp and get as many cars out as possible. Especially with they know they of course know that 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 tax credit situation is looming. So it's all this is such a key moment in in not only Tesla history but uh, just just uh, Model 3 history specifically. And I just, you know, it's just good to recognize that because I'll tell you, I guess I'll, I'll just, if, you, if you'll if you forgive me a quick aside here, I, I, you know, I think it's important to to actually speak up in a, it, to show appreciation, to be positive, to show positivity towards someone or, or something, some an effort, a, a movement, a, a, again, just a person, whatever it is. Because social media in particular is so, you know, it's so full of negativity. I'm not saying that's all it is, but it's the, the human react, the natural human reaction is to not say anything if you're happy and to speak up if you, if you want to complain. And I just think, you know, I, I'm someone who, I've, I've talked about this before here and there, the video game world is oddly, just strangely toxic, you know, if you... If you're not in it every day like me, you probably think, why? Why would the video game world be toxic? You're talking about fun hobbies. And you would be right to have that very rational thought, but but it is what it is. And, you know, me with my hundred-something thousand followers, I see, you know, I get a lot of it targeted at me from time to time, that the negativity that is. And so, you know, I just, I I appreciate the kindness but when people show it. And so, you know, when I'm when I'm tweeting at somebody like Elon Musk and he's kind enough to and I I I know he's probably going to see it. This is a guy with 22 million Twitter followers and a big target on his back from the shorts, the fudsters, the rival auto companies, the oil company, you know, you name it. I don't want to go through that whole thing again, but this is a person who I just for for the any weird, you know, silly video game world negativity that I get, I I can empathize with with the negativity that Elon must be subjected to anytime he looks at Twitter, but also just the scale of it. Like that's what I can't fathom. You know, my hundred something thousand Twitter followers, which I'm not here to brag about, but to make the point that that is that is a drop in the bucket to the 22 million people that Elon has following him. And, and you, can, you can take it to the bank. Not all 22 million of those people following Elon Musk are, are following him because they like him. So I just thought, to end this aside, you know, it's just nice to, to show that appreciation to just on a human being level, you know. And, and as, you know, obviously I'm someone that believes in Tesla's mission and supports it. And I just want to express that. So 
anyway, I did after in response, you know, Elon did reply when I said, "Hey, you know, we'll bring donuts and coffee, and we appreciate your efforts." He replied saying simply "thanks" with a heart emoji, which totally like that little gesture made my night. I'll be it totally made my night. That made me feel great, and uh, and but I'll tell you what he's up to. That's quite a weekend. That is quite a weekend. Giga, uh, Re- not Reno. Well, Reno sandwiched between Fremont and Fremont. It's a it's a it's a Reno sandwich. So uh, big busy weekend for Elon, and uh, you know I don't want to read too much into this necessarily, but he sounds quite optimistic about how production is going with his whole miracles on GA3 line comment. So those end of the quarter numbers are coming up. They are going to be fascinating one way or the other for not only for all the reasons I talked about on last week's podcast, but all, but now throw this on there as well. He seems to be uh, seemingly optimistic, seemingly feeling good about it, which is great. Not super great is this next story, uh, this last story that I have for you this week. And that is this, Tesla is suing a former Gigafactory employee, accusing him of sabotage. CNBC reports, quote, Tesla is suing a former employee for allegedly illegally exporting gigabytes of confidential data, according to a lawsuit filed Wednesday in Nevada. The electric car maker said it is only beginning to understand all of former process technician Martin Tripp's allegedly illegal activity. The suit said Tripp, quote, has thus far admitted to writing software that hacked Tesla's manufacturing operating system and to transferring several gigabytes of Tesla data to outside entities, end quote. CNBC continues, the data include, quote, dozens of confidential photographs and a video of Tesla's manufacturing systems. In addition to that, Tesla alleges Trip wrote computer code to periodically export Tesla's data to people outside the company. Furthermore, the suit alleges that Trip made false statements to the media. For example, quote, Trip claimed that punctured battery cells had been used in certain Model 3 vehicles, even though no punctured cells were ever used uh, ever used in vehicles, batteries, or otherwise. The suits uh, that's that's from the lawsuit. Uh, and also from the suit, Trip also vastly exaggerated the true amount and value of scrap material that Tesla generated during the manufacturing process and falsely claimed that Tesla was delayed in bringing new manufacturing equipment online. Well, for those wondering if I'm going to go down the FUD road for this, that this is all part of a concerted fear, uncertainty, and doubt effort, no, I'm not going to go down that road this time. The CNBC story reports that Mr. Tripp was upset over not being promoted. So in my opinion, just based on the the reporting of this, that's all I have to go by so far. To me, this appears to be a single bad actor acting uh, very much on his own accord and not necessarily on behalf of, you know, union, the UAW or the Koch brothers or any of that stuff. But, uh, I mean, it, regardless, whatever the circumstances, it's still sad because, you know, this, you can potentially harm the livelihoods of thousands of people with an action like this. If indeed he's guilty. I mean, I don't want to, again, you, you guys know, I've said a million times before, I'm a 
Tesla fanboy. This is a Tesla enthusiast podcast. I give the benefit of the doubt to Tesla, but I'm not going to sit here and, and say the trip is absolutely guilty. We don't know that yet, but uh, it will be interesting to see what happens as Tesla presses forward with this lawsuit and what the possible penalties could be if Trip is found guilty, uh, if indeed it, it goes all the way to trial and, and to a verdict. So uh, that's, you know, it's just a bummer. We don't like to, don't like to read these stories as Tesla fans. Uh, it's, you know, it's not great for anybody, but there you go. Thought I would pass it along regardless. Those are the highlights for the Tesla news this week. But again, uh, the Ride the Lightning hotline is back this week, thanks to everybody who's been calling in. And we'll get to that. Got the usual, uh, I think it's 10 calls queued up, ready to go. A lot of interesting topics to cover right after this. After a short one-week break from the Ride the Lighting Hotline while I was at E3, it is back, and you guys have delivered a ton of great questions and topics here as usual, so thank you all so much. If you have a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, I sincerely encourage you to send it on in. You can send it in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder, record your question, try to keep it to about a minute, minute and a half would be great, and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call the Ride the Lightning hotline, super easy, toll-free number. You just call in, leave a message. That number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off here with Camille in Vancouver wants to talk about white interior in the Model 3. Camille, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. It's Camille from Vancouver, Canada calling. I have two questions for you today. My first question is regarding the white interior. I know you were lucky enough to order the white interior option with your car, and I'm just wondering if you have done some research regarding on how well it holds up over time. I've seen on the forums and YouTube channels of people reviewing the seats, um, and they look like they hold up pretty well, but most of the reviews are from owners who've had their car for maybe 10, 15,000 miles. I'm just curious how those seats hold up over extended period of time. Maybe you've had some callers call in and, and discuss that. Uh, my main concerns are the stitching. Can it be cleaned? Is there a lot of blue gene transfer? And just if the seats yellow maybe over time. Um, so I'd love to hear back on what you think about that. And my second question is regarding the standard battery uh, version of the Tesla Model 3. As you know, Elon Musk said he's trying to maximize profits. So I'm wondering when they release the standard battery version, do you think they'll first release standard battery all optioned out with all wheel drive and premium package and then eventually work their way down? Or do you think they'll just open it up and say standard batteries available? You can pick your options. Thanks again, Ryan. I love your show. I love what you're doing and can't wait for the next podcast. Bye. 
Thank you for your excellent call, Camille. Let's start with the white interior. Yes, I have read everything I can about it. And if you plan on ordering the white, let me warn you of something that's happened to me. And that is this. Everyone in your life will think that you are insane for ordering a car with white interior in it. My wife thinks I'm nuts. My family and friends think I'm nuts. They all say the same thing. How, it's, how is it going to be kept clean? There's no way. And I can understand where they're coming from, certainly. That is sort of a basic human reaction. But even when I tell them, oh, it's a synthetic and it wipes clean really easily, no one believes me. <laughs> they don't believe me. But uh, yes, the answer, they do hold up very well. Being a synthetic, uh, there can be blue gene transfer, but the key is you have to get it pretty quick. Don't leave it on there for weeks and weeks. Uh, Tesla recommends cleaning it using rubbing alcohol, 70%, just that, that off-the-shelf rubbing alcohol. Um, I've seen one person says that they do that, and then they sort of wipe that up with like a like a baby wipe or something just to get any residue off, you know. So that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do that no, no uh, less than once a month, uh, maybe even more often than that. Uh, just to just to make sure. I mean, in my case, my daughter sits. She's still in a a booster, just like a little booster seat, which I have a uh, one of those sort of pad, not a pad thing, but like a a protective thing, you know, mat thing that it sits on. So there won't. And she doesn't wear jeans anyway. She's a she's a active little kid, so no jeans there. Uh, I'm really the only one. So I just I'll just need to stay really on top of the driver's seat in my case, but, um, I can tell you that, uh, I, you know, I, I know it's going to be higher maintenance than black interior. That's like, I, ex I understand that going in. I accept that. Um, but I, cause I just, I love the look of white. That's why I chose to order it. Also, I'll say this, my 12 year old infinity that, um, may, may be sold by the time you guys hear this podcast, I decided once I got back from E3, like, I better start trying to sell my car. You know, I didn't want to trade it in because I knew the, the I looked up online and the, you know, I, I'm, I would get so little for it if I just did the trade in. So I'm uh, making the rounds, trying to, uh, trying to get it sold. Hopefully I'm, uh, I'm so not a fan of, or I guess I don't trust Craigslist, just the safety and security and all that stuff, but I'm meeting a couple people tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I actually had a couple of dealerships call me from the post on Craigslist. I didn't even realize that there are dealerships that just will just buy cars privately um, and sell them on their lot. So I met with one of them today, and it went went better than expected. So we'll see how see how this weekend goes. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, but that 12 year old Infinity, uh, which which <laughs> may be gone by the time you hear this. It has a, it's a very light gray interior. It's, it's certainly not white, but I have to say it's held up very well, uh, which I think is a good sign for both the color of the interior itself, the white interior itself of the Model 3, and also I think it speaks well to my own personal long-term ability to maintain its cleanliness. Uh, now, Camille, to answer your standard battery question, I don't know. Uh, I really, really hope not because it will in my opinion, quite simply just be sad and, and dare I even say 
kind of unfair if people who waited in line for the $35,000 Model 3 end up getting, at best, a quarter tax credit. I do. I feel good, but I don't know. I feel good that they're not going to force premium or all-wheel drive once they do finally start offering the standard battery, because at that point, the production ramp will be at or above 5,000 cars a week, and the company should be profitable at that stage. So I'm, I'm hopeful that you'll be able to just get standard battery by itself without without anything else required with that. Um, I think the performance and dual motor push that's about to happen is just a, a temporary thing to help them get over that final hump into consistent profitability. So there's my take on that. Sorry, that was kind of a very long-winded response to that call, but hopefully, Camille, you got some good information, maybe some food for thought there. Let's go next to Matt in Fremantle, Western Australia, who has another question relevant to my interests, and it also pertains to the interior of the Model 3. Matt, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. This is Matt from Fremantle in Western Australia. And I wanted to talk about interior protection. How are you going to protect the interior, that beautiful white interior of your car, against Daisy and the scratching that she potentially might want to do or she's been rolling in something awful and you still have to put her in the back seat because you're coming back from where you've walked the dog and you've talked about taking um, her and your older dog Maggie on long road trips so clearly you have to have a contingency um, option or plan to deal with these kind of things you're going to bring a portable dog washing facility thing or a I don't know, something you can spray on and wipe down. Yeah, and I'd love to know how other Tesla owners deal with the fact that we love our dogs, but they do like to make the interiors of cars look not as nice as they could. Um, really enjoying the show. Cannot wait to see you in your new Model 3. And yeah, I'll talk soon. Bye. I am glad that you asked about this, Matt, because this is indeed something I've had to think about and plan around, and I suspect it's, a, it's the same for a lot of you folks out there. Uh, in my case, Daisy's a puppy, so she's still, you know, she, she has not matured into a, um, a, a well-mannered adult quite yet. She actually is extremely well-behaved so far. Um, she's a lot calmer than Maggie was, which I'm sure I've mentioned before, but, and she actually has been really good in the car, but anyway, um, in, in fact, yeah, like she, in the car so far, she, she doesn't really get up and move around a lot. Um, in fact, she, she hasn't even not once shown an interest in doing the, the classic sticking her head out the window thing. Uh, I think I wonder if it's because she, she did have this brief period as a little puppy, like a little puppy where she got car sick a few times and maybe she just doesn't really associate the car with fun. Thankfully she has been over that. That was, it was like a, a three week period and then it's, it's just never happened again. Knock on wood. But uh, in any case, w uh, what I did was I bought what is basically a hammock for the back seat of the car. Uh, you know, it goes between the headrests and so it covers the whole back seat the one I got off of Amazon that had some some good reviews on it uh, even has like a spot you can you can put a person on either side and there's a you know slot for the seat belt and so they kind of 
seemingly thought it through. Now I haven't I haven't tested it out yet. I'm saving it for the Model Three. It doesn't really do, it doesn't really work uh, in the my current my current car. I also just I mean I, I just throw a blanket back there, so it's not a big deal. But um, for the Model Three, I want to be a lot more careful with it. So. I mean, unless people out there really want to know what I bought, I'm not going to bother mentioning it because I just, I don't know if it's any good yet. Uh, like I said, I bought it based on good Amazon reviews, so I don't want to mislead anybody in case it turns out to be a thing that I don't, I don't like for whatever reason, but it was like 40 or 50 bucks. So nothing, nothing too crazy expensive. I'll, I'll certainly let all you guys know what I think of it once I get my car. And, and by the way, I very much welcome any suggestions from other listeners, from you guys out there, if you have awesome ways to protect your Teslas from your dogs. So excellent call from Matt there. Thank you so much. Next up is Tim in Little Rock wants to talk about Model Y. Let's do that. Tim, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Tim in Little Rock. It's been a while since I called in. And two things I just wanted to say, congratulations uh, on, on your order on your P3D. That's phenomenal and really happy for you and excited that you're going to join the club uh, outside of all the things you do for the community with your podcast, which is always fantastic. And also congratulations on uh, becoming Twitter buddies with Elon. That's been cool to watch and, and really has uh, enhanced your podcast even more than it. Uh, outside of Alex, and it always already was. Um, the reason for my call is about Model Y. Uh, I'm maybe I'm the only one, but I thought when we when Model Y was discussed some time ago that it was kind of the next iteration of driving a mass market electric car, and I thought it was going to be more of a lower tiered competitor with say a Toyota uh, or maybe a Chevy Bolt or, or that line of car. But all the recent talk seems to be focused on. Uh, maybe it's the car that's going to drive full autonomy. Obviously, the no steering wheel. I've heard Falcon Wing doors, so it doesn't sound like this car they're going to unveil in the spring is going to be possibly any less expensive than Model Three. Maybe even be more expensive. I'm not sure. But anyway, if I'm not the if I'm the only one that's confused, then I'm, it's me. But it would be nice to hear some thoughts on the Model Y specifically and what you think this car's goals are to achieve and what we think a price point might be. So if that's something you could address, that would be great. Um, uh, anyway, appreciate your time and your thoughts on that. Uh, hope to talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Tim. I will say that I've always had a clear idea in my head about what this car is, but I suppose my thinking might not be shared with others. But as I said on, was it last week or the week before, uh, E3 has caused my brain to melt, and I don't remember what last what happened last week. But I've I've always thought of the Y being to the X, what the three is to the S. That is a smaller, more entry level luxury baby sibling version of the car. Uh, you have a good memory, by the way, about Elon mentioning precisely once on Twitter that the Y would have Falcon wing doors. I have said on this podcast that I think those plans have probably changed due to the manufacturing simplicity, even compared to the Model 3, that Elon and Tesla have repeatedly stated that they are aiming for with the Model Y. If I had to guess, and that's uh, that's basically all I can do right now is take an educated guess, I think the Model Y will probably start right around $40,000. That is my expectation. If it's less, great, but that's sort of where I'm placing my 
my bet right now. I guess we'll find out in about nine months or so if uh, if indeed that reveal happens in uh, in March. I mean, we we won't get detailed pricing information, but we might get a base. Actually, we might not even get the base price. With the Model 3, of course, they had to say a $35,000 car because that was the whole point of the car. With the Model Y, they'll sort of already be a little bit of an expectation built in. Uh, so they might not even say what the base price is going to be, but they also, there's probably, I would say there's an equal chance either way. So one way or the other, we'll find out hopefully around March. Autopilot time. Let's talk some autopilot. Peter is the first of a couple of callers. Uh, in fact, three callers who wanted to talk autopilot. So Pete, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Peter um, calling in about um, autopilot. Uh, enjoy your show. Listen to it all the time. Uh, I'm hoping some of this information that I've experienced can get uh, on to uh, Elon. But uh, my concern is that I don't see how autopilot is going to make the transition from what it is now to something that uh, is uh, much greater because I see that there are objects in the road that the vehicle cannot address. There are lane changes and curves that the vehicle does not seem to be able to navigate. Uh, the uh, access to auto steer goes on and off on the same locations uh, that I drive inconsistently. And there are a variety of road conditions that change on the same road, such as uh, school zones, uh, construction zones, and flashing lights. And I see many, many problems with... Uh, autopilot being able to handle this, and there are too many to articulate in this phone message, so I'm sending you an email, and perhaps you can combine the two uh, and get some of this information out there and see if other folks are experiencing the same thing, and maybe in your uh, contacts with Elon, you can get some answers to some of these issues. Thanks for the show. Bye. Peter, I am sorry that I said Pete. I had a typo in my notes, and I apologize to you for that. Uh, to your question now, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you at all. I, the evolution of autopilot so far has, I would say, relative to what it was when it first launched on the mobilized system, been a fairly slow one. But the leap it is going to have to make in order to reliably perform level four full self-driving it's an enormous leap. Now, pardon me if I've said this on the podcast before, but my neighborhood alone is full of crazy edge cases. I have one-way streets mixed with two-way streets. I have two-way streets that are only wide enough for one car to come down at a time so that if there are two cars coming in opposite directions towards each other, somebody has to make the human decision to stop and wait or pull over. So... I think it's fair to be skeptical of Tesla's or really anyone's autonomous driving technology making that kind of leap. But for now, we'll see how it goes. Uh, based on my experiences using autopilot in friends' Teslas so far, I was personally uh, very okay with paying the $5,000 for enhanced autopilot when I ordered my car. And as I told you uh, guys when I, when I did order, I passed on that, on spending that extra $3,000 for full self-driving for now. So we'll see what happens. It is going to be very interesting to watch how far and how fast the system 
can evolve. Thank you, Peter, for the call. Uh, keeping on the topic of autopilot, let's go to Michael in Baltimore. Hey, Ryan, Michael from Baltimore. Thanks again for everything that you do for the Tesla community. couple thoughts. Uh, first of all, congratulations on getting your tweet answered by Elon at the latest shareholder meeting. Seems like you're building quite the rapport with him with those and the, the tweet conversations that you've had over the past few weeks. So hopefully that interview will happen after all down the road. Um, I did order my Model 3. I followed my my heart and I just took the plunge. The delivery should be in a few weeks, it looks like. I did not order autopilot as it was already a stretch to, to reach that first production model. So I went without that, at least for now. Looks like we're going to have an ability to do a free trial. So that would be kind of cool. My question to you is, one of the features that I'm surprised is not standard is the whole adaptive cruise control where you know the car slows and speeds up based on the following distance. Do you think Tesla would ever consider changing that and offering that as a standard feature or even perhaps breaking it apart and kind of going a la carte and you know maybe for a thousand bucks uh, have owners be able to purchase that if they didn't want the full autopilot capabilities? What do you think? Um, that's it. I'll give you a call back when I get the, get the car and let you know what I think. And again, thanks for all that you do. Keep up the great work. Thank you for the call and the kind words, Michael. I agree that it's a shame that adaptive cruise control isn't standard. I mean, th this is a luxury car after all, even the Model 3 is. I could see it being offered standard, but probably not a la carte at some point. Uh, just my gut feeling on it. And I would think if that did happen, it'd probably be after Enhanced Autopilot achieves its full potential to make it more enticing as a $5,000 purchase without adaptive cruise control in there as a core feature of uh, the, the of that $5,000 EAP package. I'll be curious to hear what you think of that autopilot free trial and if it has any effect on you either way, either to try and order it sooner or if you're going to be content to just wait on it. Do so. Please do follow up with me on that once that autopilot, tri autopilot trial happens. One more call about autopilot before we change topics. Here's Jeremy from Toronto wants to talk about autopilot safety. So Jeremy, take it away. Hey Ryan, this is Jeremy from Toronto, Canada. Thanks for making a great podcast. Really enjoy the show and admire your enthusiasm and uh, all the energy that you inject into the Tesla community. My question is about autopilot safety. I've been following fairly closely in the news all of the reports of uh, accidents that have happened and of course overall statistically speaking autopilot is still much safer than uh, driving on your own on the highway but it seems to me that there's two common themes when it comes to um, undesirable uh, outcomes with autopilot we've heard of a number of accidents in the last few months where a tesla hits a stationary object such as a fire truck or a police truck or a parked vehicle and I've certainly heard in the past that uh, it's a bit of a blind spot for autopilot that uh, although it's able to very well sense uh, vehicles that are moving slowly or just coming to a stop, that if the vehicle's completely stopped, uh, it doesn't necessarily identify it, which seems to be one uh, common source. Uh, and I don't mean common in terms of statistically frequent, but rather um, uh, an, an in-common theme for uh, autopilot accidents. And the second seems to be related to um, highways that divide. Um, we've heard of a couple of scenarios um, 
uh, obviously the very sad accident that happened with the Model X in California uh, with the uh, inoperable crash attenuator uh, where the autopilot didn't recognize the highway divide. And also probably a similar theme with um, Yo-Yo's Model 3 in, in Greece um, where there was a divider um, that wasn't recognized. So my question is with these two themes, uh, the, the stationary vehicles and the highway dividers with a crash attenuator, um, why do you think Tesla hasn't been able to iron out these two pieces? That obviously, it's been in the news, and they, uh, they would very much like to uh, erase any uh, autopilot accidents from the news. Um, what do you think is the technical barrier that's preventing them from uh, eliminating these two common themes? Thanks for your insights, Ryan. Have a great day. Jeremy, I hate to give you a non-answer, but I just don't know on this one. I guess if I did know, I'd probably be on the Tesla Autopilot dev team. But I have to figure Tesla is no doubt aware of the issues, and I'm sure that rectifying those weak points is of the highest priority. But clearly the algorithm has difficulty recognizing and or processing those things. We'll see how quickly improvements can be made. Fingers crossed. Moving on here, we've still got uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, we got four more excellent calls lined up. The next one comes from Joe in New York, who is debating whether or not to buy a three or a used S. Let's see if I can help Joe out and give him some information here. Joe, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Joe from New York. I am having that long-time debate about a new Model 3 versus a used Model S. I understand what you're saying about range being king. So for the same money, if you could get a 100D versus a Model 3, which way would you go? And I know for you, size in San Francisco is an issue, but put that aside for a moment. Thanks. Hey, Joe. Well, I have to say, if you're going to allow me that many concessions in this hypothetical exercise, I would take the 100D because I would get twice as much cargo room and I would get an air suspension. But I have to say, even in that scenario, it's not that much of a gimme, at least not for me personally. In fact, it's pretty darn close, which just goes goes back to why uh, I did predict that we would get a fully redesigned 400-mile Model S at some point later this year. That was, uh, of course, my prediction show back on New Year's Eve. But it just seems like there should be a lot more obvious separation between the 3 and the S, which we are not seeing as of now. So best of luck, Joe, in whatever you do decide. Next up, Chris in Santa Clarita wanted to uh, comment on something that Jaguar's iPace is doing that he that he likes, wants to maybe see if Tesla might be into it. So Chris, what have you got? Hey Ryan, Chris from Santa Clarita, longtime listener, first time caller. Um, I had a question about sound, uh, specifically the artificial sound that's being pumped into the Jaguar iPace cabin to match the acceleration of the vehicle one-to-one. Um, it sounds like a spaceship. It's incredible. And it got me thinking, I wonder if Tesla would do something similar via over-the-air update um, maybe later in the year. I, I think it solves two problems. One, you know, you're always hearing about how Tesla drivers, they don't really know how fast they're going until they look down at the speedometer. 
Um, so this would give them kind of that auditory feedback uh, so that they knew how fast they were going. But two, I think it resolves an issue for a lot of ICE car drivers who say they'll never drive an EV because there's no emotion. There's no visceral feedback of the engine. And I think if their car sounded like a spaceship, they might change their tune. So anyway, I know you've had Elon's ear as of late via Twitter. Congratulations on that huge validation of of your value to this community. Um, So maybe you can pass this feedback along. But either way, um, thanks for all that you do and keep up the great work. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. I have to say, I hadn't heard that Jaguar is doing that, but they're not the first. BMW does it in the i8 as well. Now, generally, I personally feel like the i8's implementation has, hasn't been universally well-received, but then again, I'm probably only getting that filtered through the lens of the Tesla community, and their reaction to it is naturally going to skew a little bit more towards Tesla's way of handling it, which is obviously to have no sounds. I will confess I have not heard either the i8 or the i-pace for myself, but on paper, I'm I'm just personally not fond of the idea of faking it. I I like embracing the electric vehicle for what it is. And what it is is a ninja. <laughs> you can you can silently obliterate just about anyone else on the road off the line with no sound whatsoever and that uh, that appeals to me. I like that. The uh, I will say the the SX and 3 are especially quiet, but the original Tesla, the Roadster did that was pretty cool. If you ever get a chance to drive it, Chris, I would highly encourage you to do so whether you rent one uh, or, or what have you or you happen to meet someone, know someone with one cuz uh, when you drive the Roadster, you can totally, you can really hear the electric motor whine as you as you lay into the accelerator and as the RPMs go up. It's got kind of a Millennium Falcon sound to it. But um, anyway, I guess th- this is obviously one of those subjective to each their own kind of things. Some people are going to like sound being pumped into the cabin. Some aren't. Um, I'm not personally looking for a feature like that, but... If Tesla decided to do something and make it optional, well, then sure, that would that would work because you could just turn it off if you don't like it. So we'll see. Thank you, Chris. Two more calls this week. Let's go first to Tom in Chicago, who wants to talk about the effects of hot weather on a Tesla battery. Tom, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, it's Tom from Chicago. I know you've discussed the adverse effects of extreme cold weather on Teslas before, but have you come across anything related to extreme warm temperatures? My ICE car overheated during a road trip recently, which made me wonder what, if any, considerations I should have for a Tesla in a similar scenario. Thanks as always. Later. Tom, I went ahead and asked my cousin Patrick, who has owned his Model S in Arizona for five years now, and he texted me back saying, Yes, noticeable difference in range when running AC when hot versus not using it. A 15-mile trip to work at mostly freeway speeds of 75 miles per hour uses about 18 miles of range with no heat or AC. Now with AC, that goes up to about 22 miles of range used for that 15-mile trip. So there is definitely a penalty, which by the way, uh, with air conditioning, just like in a gas-powered car, just like in an ICE, 
with uh, that's running air conditioning, you do see a hit to your mileage on that. So um, seemingly not quite the same effect that cold has on those cells, but the heat does have an effect on uh, on your range there. Let's close it with our friend and Patreon producer, Logan Willis, who uh, also, by the way, has a Performance Model 3 on order. He and I are buddies like that. He calls in about those Performance Aluminum pedals that I talked about on, uh, again, can't remember, either last week or the week before. Logan, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, it's Logan Willis here. Um, Just on Twitter uh, that Elon responded, said that he had spoken to the team, and now they can do the aluminum pedals for our performance model threes. Um, just awesome. I'm so glad that we got through to him. So glad you're able to, you know, have a, at least a, a good dialogue between the two of you. Um, glad I tweeted at you about it. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to say thank you again for all you do for, you know, the community, for us buyers and, you know, us future buyers as well. So, um, you know, keep up the great work and, uh, thanks so much. Have a good E3. Talk to you soon. I appreciate the kind words, Logan. And and as I said last week, I just have a keen interest in getting just, I love these little details. And I have an even keener interest now that I'm actually getting the car instead of just dreaming about it. Now, I maybe I'm appealing to the designer within Elon or, or something, but whatever the magic is, I hope it doesn't go away anytime soon. I I continue to be flabbergasted that he and the Tesla team are making this car better over the month or so it's been now since I first ordered it. And and again, nobody's even gotten their cars, but they just keep getting better right up until, seemingly right up until delivery day. And then thanks to software updates, they'll continue to get better even after you own it as, uh, as with every Tesla. So thanks, Logan. Thanks to everybody who called in. Uh, I encourage you again, now that, now that I'm back to the regular routine here, no more E3 in the way, Please do call in with your thoughts, your questions, your comments, your discussion topics. Again, use your smartphone's voice memo recorder and just record something, minute, minute and a half or so. Email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline, the toll-free number to dial for that. Again, 1-888-989-87. Be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. If you are thinking about some paint protection, paint correction for your brand new Tesla, and you either live in the Bay Area or are taking delivery at the Fremont factory, keep immaculate reflections in mind. They've got 16 years of experience of doing detailing. They do lots of work on Teslas, whether you want to do a new car delivery prep, paint correction, uh, paint protection films, ceramic coatings, etc. They're about a, a 45 minute or so ride from the Tesla factory. Learn more on their website, irdetailing.com, or you can look them up on Yelp or Instagram at immaculate underscore reflections on those sites. You've got abstractocean.com with their tempered glass screen protectors, custom fitted for the Model 3's one and only uh, touchscreen. They've got center console wraps on the way if they have not already arrived. They've got interior lighting kits, cool, you know, brighter LED lighting kits, those those, uh, puddle lights as well, all that good stuff and more. Abstractocean.com 
Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, as a all one word, at checkout to get 20% off of your first order. If you're buying an S or X, feel free to use my cousin Patrick, I mentioned him earlier in the show, talking about hot weather stuff. Uh, use Pat's referral code, which will get you free unlimited lifetime supercharging. His code is PATRICK5008. So you can give that to your sales advisor, or if you're ordering online, type this into your browser, ts.la slash PATRICK5008. That'll take you to the design studio with that free unlimited supercharging baked right into your order. I want to say thank you to the Patreon producers, everybody and everybody supporting my efforts here on Patreon. Uh, it is sincerely appreciated. You can find the show's Patreon page at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Every, every bit of support makes a huge difference, I assure you guys. Um, yeah, the show, you know, I, I won't, I'll spare you the rap, you know, it's, it's a lot, but I love doing it. Uh, the support means a lot. So if you, uh, if you see fit, take a look at that page. And I will say thank you now, of course, as I do every week, to the Patreon producers. They are Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., David Kittle, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Luke Miles, Stefan Joris, Gabriel Salais, Jared Brown, and our newest Patreon producer uh, appears to be a couple here, Jerry and Mary Smith. Thank you both so much. And I've just remembered, actually, by the way, uh, I told, speaking of e-motion rentals, I, I, uh, I, told, I told him uh, that I would give him a quick mention uh, because it's summertime and he's got a roadster that he's trying to rent out to folks. If you're in the D.C. area and you've never driven a roadster, I mentioned it earlier in the show, that super awesome Millennium Falcon wine uh, and just the, the go-kart-like handling, the fact, you know, you're, you're almost right on the ground in a roadster. It is super fun to check out. So E-Motion Rentals, look them up uh, and they will have Teslas for you to rent. So check that out. Most of you already subscribe to this podcast, which again, is just a free way to have it delivered to you every week rather than you having to go out and download it. So if you're not already subscribing to the podcast, please do so for free on any of your favorite podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, which of course is available in your Tesla, Spotify now, or there's always the hosting site, teslapodcast.libsyn.com, where you can grab individual MP3 downloads or pick up the RSS feed there. That does it for a now snoozing Daisy the Boxer Puppy. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Uh, Thank you all so much for continuing to tune in. Uh, This is a super exciting time in the world of Tesla. The next, I mean, the next like 30 days are going to be just huge with the, again, we should be hitting the tax credit trigger. We should have the ramp hitting at least 5,000 cars a week. We should see a, a floodgates 
opening of uh, an opening of the floodgates with Model 3 deliveries in July as part of the you know that seemingly the the holding back that Tesla has seemingly been doing with with uh, not only the threes but the S's and X's as well. So the next thirty days should be very very exciting in the world of Tesla, and I will be right here with you every step of the way. New episodes, as most of you know, every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time is when they debut, and obviously you listen to them whenever you want. That's the whole fun of podcasts versus live radio. So uh, I will see you all next week. Happy electric motoring.